Welcome back to Standby Line, the only podcast where it's our first anniversary. Yeah, a whole year and you're still not on the ride yet. <laughs> really should have just gotten Genie Plus, I guess. <laughs> that was a dumb joke. Would that be any faster? Probably not, honestly. I've I've only used Lightning Lane once, and admittedly, I kind of just wish I went through the single rider queue. But yeah, first anniversary, guys. Uh, my God. All right, so before, before we get any further, further uh, thank you to our VIP patrons, the Crystal Conman, Maritza Lustig, and Darian Spart. And thank you to all our pa- patri- patrons today, uh, the Emperor Ke- Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Badia, Samantha Mendez, Nick Sofreya. Every single one of you are the reason we're able to, to do this and keep doing this, and we honestly cannot thank you enough for this. Yeah, it's it's been so it's been an entire year, and I've said this a million times over various episodes. But Tim and I did this because we thought it'd be funny. Well, not funny, but fun. I do things because I think they're funny. <laughs> but Tim and I went, "Hey, how about we do that predictable thing that everybody's doing during the pandemic, and start a podcast?" And I went, "You know, I've been joking about starting a podcast this entire time. Let's do it." Well, so. For Here me, it was a when lockdown first started. I've I've tossed some ideas around of maybe doing scripted vid- videos for for a while, and I wrote a few scripts up. But you know, going back on them, I, I don't really think the scripts were very good. And anytime yeah, I even yeah. thought about trying to edit, my computer sounded like it was going to explode. So I'm like, uh, this probably isn't isn't the way I'm meant to go. I made a YouTube video, God knows how long ago, like three four years ago. So when the pandemic rolled around and it was like, oh, a lot of people are starting YouTube channels or podcasting or Twitch streaming. And I'm like, I'm not even getting anywhere close to the YouTube side of things again. Uh, trying that once struck the fear of God into me. So, yeah. <laughs> but now here I am. I am a podcaster and I never shut up about it. I'm insufferable. <laughs> and it is all thanks to the support of all of our patrons, a lot of whom are our friends and it's just been so nice to know that everybody's behind us on this all the all of them are our friends really like all the people that that we know personally have known for a very long time just that yeah they're willing to help us out out like this it really does mean the world to us Uh, yeah of course it's uh i i don't even know what to say about how much i appreciate it like it's nice to know not only that somebody's listening, but that the people that are close to you are listening. And that's to say not, nothing of all all the rest of you who are li- listening and ha- and don't support us on Patreon, because we do not appreciate you any less. Just we don't even listen. Listening Actually, in fact, we might appreciate you more for knowing absolutely <laughs> nothing about us and just deciding, yeah, I'll put up with them for an hour. So, just coming in, in into into us and. If you're willing sharing us on, on social media, rating us on podcasts, telling your friends about us, it really means more to us than I can put it into words. That something I'd want to do because I wanted to have fun with my friend and see where it t- took us. And mm-hmm. now we're a whole year later, and we've both done a whole lot for this po- podcast. We've learned some new stuff. So for helping us do that, I am so incredibly thankful. Yeah, I. We are both just incredibly proud of how far we've come, and we are both 
fully aware of the fact that we would not have come anywhere close to this if it were not for a bunch of people going, hey, you can keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, even those times where the emails would pop into our inbox saying like, oh, this episode got this many downloads. This episode got this many downloads. We'd send them to each other. And we'd be like, yes, there we go. Milestone. Just a couple of days ago, we got you published 25 episodes and like, wow, we, we were that. already. Yeah, like we were already aware of it. But then the email came in telling us that and we sent it to each other and we went, yeah, we did do that, didn't we? It feels good. It does feel good. And we're and we are currently recording this a year to the day of the first time we recorded for the first episode. Uh, yeah, and the first episode wouldn't come out until almost a month later because uh submitting it to Apple Podcasts was a confusing process. Yeah, well this time this one's coming out uh closer to when it should. Or when that so, one should have. Um yeah. uh, so today as a special treat we are going to share with you the first episode of Ticket Booth, which is our special, special Patreon-only feed. Uh, the first episode, which we published back in December, and we do the, these uh, once a month, where it just lets us talk about whatever. That is pretty much the appeal of it. Like, this month is literally just going to be Tim letting me rant about obscure comic characters for an hour, so... Depending on how you view it, I've, he's either been promising that or threatening that for quite a while, so I'm happy to see what he delivers. It's going to be a good time. Or torture. I don't know. Yeah. That's for the Hague to decide, not me. <laughs> uh, so on that on that, on that that point, uh, I originally published this episode uh, unedited because I was trying to test how we wanted to do it with the bonus feed. And we did eventually decide that, yeah, we would edit these. So I'm trying to edit this retroactively so the current audio standards may not be up to our current standard of quality. And I apologize for that, but... This is where we were when we just started the new new stuff, and aside from editing out a few background noises and the swearing, because if that's what you're in for, we do swear in Ticket Booth. Uh, yeah, yeah. M- much more than we already do on normal <laughs> episodes. Like, we get in a couple during normal episodes, but during Ticket Booth, uh, Tim and I both realize that because people pay for it, we can just do whatever we want. <laughs> we don't got to worry about, like, being censored. People come to us for that. So that's that's your warning going in. Yeah, um, that, that actually our first ticket booth, uh, it's a funny story. Tim already knows because Tim thought it was ridiculous when I joined the call for it. But um, I recorded the first ticket booth in an open lounge room because my roommate was very, very asleep. And I was like, I cannot cancel on Tim. I am not going to postpone this. So I grabbed, I don't even think I was recording off of a computer yet at that point, because my computer had been acting up. I think I was recording off of a tablet and a pair of headphones. I think I had my mic at that point. You, you, did, you did have the mic, yeah. Yeah, I did. Have, oh, right. Because I had to run all, I had to run to like three different Best Buys to find that adapter to plug it into my tablet for it. But yeah, it's a funny story, and it's definitely telling about how far we've come since then. That, that whole recording was honestly a mess because uh, we recorded, the, we did this in January, and there was there was a, a big snowstorm in, in New York that was messing with our connection. So we tried to record this like three separate times before we actually did get the take we used. Yeah, yeah, and it was all it was a chaotic take as it was because uh, yeah. I think our description for the episode was um, we challenge each other to see how many times we can go off topic. And it's a lot. It is a lot. This is actually the episode <laughs> where I first um, threatened slash promised the obscure comic character rant. So 
everything's coming full circle, folks. Yeah. Uh, so it's where our pa- pa- patrons who have already heard, heard, heard this for thanks thanks for uh, bearing with us. Uh, to certain patrons who think that I may have stolen this from other shows, I don't know what you're talking about. No, what? No, I. No, <laughs> there have been no sources of plagiarism in this podcast whatsoever. At least none that you can prove. If you have evidence, please send it to my DM so I can promptly dispose of it. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's where we'll leave for now. But uh, next time, we'll be back with the first episode of season two. Yeah, yeah, we're in seasons now. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that going to be? Uh, well, we did this Good to give question. ourselves a week off, so we haven't uh, really worked that out yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving. I can't figure out episodes right now. <laughs> You know what? That's pro- that's a problem we have to keep, keep worry about in like three weeks. So, so yeah, exactly. Who cares what they think? Welcome to the internal process where we do not have the next episode planned when we record. <laughs> we will figure that out like the night we record it. Probably, hopefully, maybe, maybe we'll just turn our mics on and go. Could happen. Well, that's kind of what happens during this ticket booth, honestly. Yeah, we had a general topic in mind, and then we just turned our mics on and went. And it went everywhere. All right, so we'll let you uh, get into that right now. But until next time, we'll see you real soon. Toodles. Yeah. Well, uh, hello everybody. This is this is the one time I'm allowed to do the intro because it's just for the paying customers. Uh, welcome to our very first ticket booth. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. This is this is this is very fun. Very goofy. But um, or a second attempt at recording it. Yeah, yeah. The topic of conversation is far less of a surprise this time because I didn't just have it sent to me a couple of hours beforehand. But yeah, um, gotta love this where we're barely able to overcome technical difficulties. It's great flying by the seat of our pants. Yep. I mean, hey, if it's not your computer, it's my computer. It's always, always, always something. But yeah, here we are. There you are. Uh, paying money to listen to this. Uh, there are AJ's rumors are, if you can hear them. Yeah, yeah. That is the beauty of college, I suppose. No quiet time. So Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. You know him, you love him, you want pictures of him. So, I've kind of been holding it in, well, I had been holding it in this rant I had for a while about the uh, Spider-Man PS4 game and one of the uh, DLC stories, but actually in preparation to just today, I replayed it, and my thoughts have changed somewhat, so this is going to be, so we're kind of venturing into unknown territory with what I want to do here. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm awful. I'm awful. Yeah, when he said flying by his seat of his pants, he really wasn't kidding, huh? Yeah, because this this whole point was I was ready for this to turn into an argument. Because you didn't like the DLC. I didn't know which DLC you were going to yell about, but I like all three of the DLC episodes. So I mean, It's not that I dislike it. It's it's, I have issues specifically with how some of the stories are handled, but we'll we'll get to that. That's fair. And yeah, and that's where I was kind of like, okay, well, it's not going to be that bad of an argument. It's just going to turn into us getting into like a verbal slap fight. Which, to be fair, is not outside the norm. <laughs> but yes, please do tell. Now I, now I need to hear. 
my entire expectations for the episode just went up in smoke. We are back to I am fully surprised again. Right, so I'm just going to for- forego the backstory in the main game because that's actually not really important to the conversation we're ha- having having here, except for not particularly. Except for one specific part that, that, I'll, that I'll get to at, at one point. But so this is with the uh, very first DLC episode. Ah, okay. That's yeah. That's kind of the one I figured it was. Because uh-huh. honestly, the other two aren't bad, but it's nothing really super interesting story wise that I'd really want to talk talk about. Yeah, that's fair. It's um, you know, they just they kind of feed off of each other, but it's not like this big epic climactic buildup. It's just like, oh yeah, here's this arc that kind of sort of leads into this arc, and here's this arc that kind of sort of leads into this arc. So the, the first one, though, has, has a pretty pretty strong start. It's after the events of the, the main game, and uh, Peter's, you know, he's getting some tips that the uh, Magia are making moves back in back in New York, so got so got to deal with the ma- deal with the mafia again, which Mm-hmm. As a side note, uh, have you seen Hawkeye? Not all the way. I watched the first episode. Okay. So you know, spoil it. I don't mind. I I got most of it spoiled for me already. Well, it's, it. it's not really spoiling just things. It's one specific thing. <laughs> so you know how? I mean, I read the entire Asha Fraction. Yeah, run, pretty much the same thing. So you know how? Well, I, I might be stupid in a second. This is in the comics, but in the show, they called the most of the bad guys they were fighting the tracksuit mafia. Was was that a thing in the comics? Uh, I believe they're called that like two or three times. It might be more often, but I know I remember it at least two or three okay, times. Okay, so now I need to premise what I say next by how I've never read that comic. Oh, it's so good. You need to. Oh, it's so, so good. It's why I was so upset when I saw how much they were basing the comics off of it. Or basing the show off of it. Because I was like... like <sighs> Probably get some more money for that. <laughs> Yeah. And anyway, so I had not read the comics, and when I first played uh, the PS4 game, I played it at my friend's house. So I didn't have a PlayStation at the time, and so we just always called the random goons you would fight the, the red tracksuit gang. <laughs> We're just gonna make an extended cut of Warriors where we slip in cuts of them every once in a while. <laughs> they'll they'll just fit right in with that like super like one track costume design. Absolutely. So anyway, so when when they showed up in Hawkeye, I was like, "What the? F- you, you ripped me the f- off here. We we ran the joke <laughs> for two years." Yeah, uh, yeah, it's Marvel is quite fond of making fun of the fact that they're all dressed so similarly. <laughs> we gave them names and everything. <laughs> <laughs> there was Leto and Vinny and Tony. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Tony Soprano's far less uh, successful knockoff, Tony Baritone. <laughs> All right, anyway. So you go to stop a Maggio robbery at a museum, and that's when Black Cat shows up. Mm-hmm. Ah, Black Cat. You love her, you love her. Hot take here, which I, I have given you a take before, because the comparison comes up almost inevitably. I prefer. Black- oh, I know what hot takes you're going yeah. with. In terms of characterization and a relationship, I prefer both Black Cat and Black Cat and Sp- Spider Man to Catwoman and Batman and Catwoman. Yeah, this is the this is the hill we will die on. Yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. 
And it's not for the obvious reason. Get off my back. (laughs) No, I just genuinely, when you look at their relationship, Batman and Catwoman work really well as Batman and Catwoman, but I never really enjoyed too much of the Bruce Selina dynamic. Whereas with Black Cat and Spider-Man and Felicia and Peter, that dynamic holds up. If only because so much of their early relationship was the fact that there was such a disconnect for the two of them of like, they're not used to being both Black Cat and Spider-Man together and Felicia and Peter together. Right, And there have been some stories that more directly lean into she's in love with Spider-Man and not Peter, but I don't think that completely destroys the dynamic they have. It just makes for for, uh, a more volatile situation that they're a train wreck but but there's so much fun to see together oh yeah absolutely and i mean she does kind of grow out of it in certain storylines where she realizes that that was kind of dumb of her and that she does appreciate both halves like much like every marvel relationship they've restarted from the same grievance like four or five times now and as your rec- as your uh, resident X Men fan, who's like really into Forge, I see that every damn storyline. Can we please get him to stop apologizing to Storm? Oh, maybe. Like, yes, he was an asshole in the moment, but she did beat the shit out of him in return later on. So I think they're even. One day I'm just gonna give you one of these just just for you to go off on Forge. Oh, I I will revel in the opportunity. The number of times he's been cut from X Men content. I am livid. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so she shows up and it turns out that she's stealing this uh, data data drive that the Magia use. And if you get a bunch of them together, you have access to the Magia's whole fortune. And she's been hired by Hammerhead to steal them from her. And Peter's like, well, that doesn't make sense. She wouldn't work with a guy like Hammerhead. And so you keep go- digging. And eventually she reveals that the reason she's working for Hammerhead is because he's holding her son captive. Yes. And while it's never it's never explicitly stated, but Peter immediately kind of jumps to the conclusion, well, if she has a son, does that mean it's my kid? He realizes there's a non-zero chance. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he immediately kind of goes, I won't exactly say Spider-Dad, but he, he's kind of like, if in the off chance that this is my kid, I really do have to help her on this, don't I? And... Uh, and on the more likely chance it's not, there's still a, there's still a, a small kid. A, a kid being held hostage. Yeah. And like a good boyfriend, he does tell his current girlfriend about this. Yeah, yeah. It's oh god, that's it's such a funny situation to be stuck in when Spider. Oh, forget any other superhero love triangle. I think that one's probably the funniest. Exclusively because there are probably people out there that know like both. Like MJ and Peter are together, but still believe like Spider Man and Black Cat are together. I can only imagine how much shit MJ sees online about like people like liking Spider Man and Black Cat together and be and just having to kind of repress that in the back of her head. Like, you know what? This is fine. Uh, even the in- I'll uh, I'll live with this. Even the in game Twitter does that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The game has as its own fake Twitter, and it has Black Cat shippers. Yeah. Good times, man. I just, you know, they're, ah, I feel bad for MJ. I don't always think she's the best choice for Peter in certain storylines, but, um, man, I always feel bad for her. (laughs) Actually, actually, uh, 
Amazing Spider-Man has been like weekly since they switched over to Ben as Spider-Man, and next week there's a Mary, there's a Mary Jane and Black Cat one shot, and I'm actually really looking forward to that. Really? Oh my god, I am completely behind on Amazing Spider-Man, but I'm going to catch up just for I that. I didn't read for years because I am not a fan of Nick Spencer, which is a topic we're not getting into here. Yeah, that's that's a story for another. But when time. I heard Ben Riley was co- coming back, Ben's like one of my favorite superheroes ever, so I was on on that on that immediately. Ben Ben getting more recognition, especially in the mainline Spider-Man title at the time. It's an event worthy of recognition. Uh, so so anyway, yeah, back to the, back to the story. So they keep uh, digging for for a bit, and they eventually find this vault where it's like, okay, if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be here. And when they get there. There's no kid. It turns out that she had been giving Hammerhead fake data drives, and the vault had his drive. So now she's making off with all of it, and just kind of playing Peter for a chump. Yeah, which not exactly the most foreign thing, but could have been handled better. Yeah. So here's my problem with the story. The whole idea is that. Peter Parker, more so than other superheroes, is meant to be the everyman, the guy who faces the kind of problems that, quote-unquote, normal people would face in in real life. And as time and the world changes, the kinds of problems that a a quote-unquote normal person would face change. So what could have been a really interesting angle for a new continuity unfettered by anything else in our modern age is you have a kid with someone you have a complicated relationship with and also your relationship with someone else. How do you handle that? Yeah. um, That's actually the way I have several friends that write a lot. I mean, I write a lot, but I I haven't written Spider-Man fan fiction like they have. Um, one of my friends actually did do a little bit of a rewrite of that ending where they did have a son together, but he wasn't being held hostage. She told just enough of the truth to, like, kick his senses into overdrive, but just enough of a lie to be like, okay, well, this isn't actually a high-stakes situation for me, really. Um, and it is, and I don't know why they didn't go with that. Because once I, I heard everybody talking about it, because that's apparently a really popular idea, is the fact that they they should have had a son together, but just he wasn't kidnapped or anything. Because like when you look at it, it, it makes sense, both because what you're saying, because it sounds like a relatively realistic problem, and because, damn, that's just interesting. Uh, yeah, I know. And so comics are comics. We kind of know in our hearts that Nothing's ever really going to change. We just want to be here for the ride. But this yeah. is a video game that has not beholden to any any other anything anything else. Like a PS4 Spider-Man has appeared in like Spider Spider Again and stuff, so it's crossed over in the main comics. But by and large, it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to worry about what people do and don't know. You can do whatever you want. And that, I mean, that's even kind of the beauty of, like, the Marvel games in general right now. The Marvel games aren't even really connected to each other. <laughs> I think part, and that's a I new, part of that is, is uh, Square Enix knew they, ha- they had to backpedal hard with Guardians after what happened with Avengers. 
Yeah, and, and I'm I'm one of the people that kind of enjoys Avengers. I'll add the I'll add the operative caveat, kind of. I mean, I'm not really in, in a position to complain about a game being overly grindy because I've played World of Warcraft for 12 years, but it was just it was it was not a well designed game. Yeah, no, it. I really enjoy the story. I'll say that much. I think the story is great. The gameplay gets a bit repetitive, but if you're not going to the end game, you can play it as just the like the single player story and have a relatively positive opinion on it. Um, especially some of the performances. I think some of the performances are really great. And I think some of the dialogue is genuinely pretty funny. I know they got the guy who did uh, Kratos and who got a war to play Black Panther and he was really good. I haven't done the Black Panther DLC yet because I've been away since that got released so I haven't had the time to sit down and but I, it looks great. I know the gameplay is just going to be you fighting in underground complexes about, against a bunch of robots, because that's all Avengers is. But I just want to see the stories. But my point in this is in saying, PS4 Spider-Man is beholden to literally nothing. Marvel's Avengers was beholden to literally nothing. Guardians of the Galaxies, nothing. There is nothing from tying them down from being whatever they could possibly want, throwing whatever has been established out the window and going, we're doing our own thing. So why not give Peter and Felicia a son that kind of becomes a relationship obstacle he has to hurdle over? And it's not like the idea of Peter Parker having a kid is new, because there have been like five different versions of, of Peter's children in the comics. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, hell, like, Renew Your Vows is entirely about an older Peter kind of having complicated relationships with everybody he's known. Even when he is married to Mary Jane, it's like, okay, well, I do also still, like, all of my old flames are still around, and isn't that just a little awkward? I love Mayday Parker Spider-Girl series. That, that's, that's one of my favorites. That's, yeah, no, it's really good. So valid. Also, hello, it is me, your resident Renew Your Vows enjoyer. I've actually never read Renew Your Vows. Um, it's weird to explain. I recommend you read it. It's it's a really good storyline if you just kind of take it at face value on its own. I mean, I've never heard anybody complain about it. Uh, MJ gets spider powers and gets called Spider Milf, and that's really funny. <laughs> but despite how they have all this freedom, like how we talked about in the Epic Mi- Mickey uh, episode, they're. Uh, I don't know who had the final say in this, whether it be Marvel or Sony, but the higher-ups were pretty stringent about what they'd allow you to do. Like, in the climax of the main game, uh, Aunt May has to die, and they and the writers apparently had to fight pretty hard for that. Yeah, and as we talked about the first time we recorded this, that's always one of the moments that kind of... I, I, I guess I can word it better, since I'm not saying this off the top of my head like last time. It always kind of felt odd to me. Because, I mean, yes, Spider-Man is known to have to be put in those hard positions where he has to make sacrifices to do the right thing. But it's weird that... I mean, Aunt May of all people. Aunt May kind of feels like no matter what bad things happen to her, she always makes it out somehow. And it's just... Her fate is almost just kind of used as leverage to prove that Peter's willing to do whatever it takes to be the hero. So for her to actually die, I was kind of like, well, that's not, that, that's not how this goes. I will admit it was a very strong moment. 
Yeah. I actually think that they were right to fight for that because that's a big thing. One of the a big thing Peter complained about, complained about with Peter Parker in the comics is he kind of refuses to grow up and he holds onto his past with a death grip and Aunt May is the biggest visual representation of that. Yeah. I Yeah, that's actually, that's a fair argument. So, if you can have a story where she's like, I have no regrets, I know what you need to do, I love you and I'm proud of you, so I just want to see see your face one, one more time. And if he can do that, I mean, it's not it's not like it's not going to hurt like hell, but if he can make the choice that Spider-Man needs to, that's the kind of growth you need in a character. Yeah. And it's different than him just... Uh, it's a different Peter and versus Spider-Man decision than we, than we normally see. Because it's... You know, it's not the it's it's not the Peter Spider Man conflict we normally see, which is the fact that being Spider Man is just taking too much of a toll on his personal life. It's like no, he can absolutely choose to be Peter and be selfish right now, but then he, like, in his heart, he knows that he he needs to be Spider Man in the moment because we we do see the whole like oh yeah. Uh, being Spider-Man affects his personal life, so he considers quitting. In a lot of earlier Spider-Man content, like God, it's like an entire song on the on the '70s concept album. Yeah, pretty much. And I will never shut up about that concept <laughs> album. So if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. And that's good. It's so good. It's unironically great. Not to get too real here, but uh, in hindsight. I think I might have been a little upset if Peter chose to to uh, prolong a, a potential pandemic in, in progress. <laughs> yeah, that game was oddly prescient about a lot of things, considering it was written in like 2014, 2015. But, uh, getting back, back to the thing, we're showing Peter in a new dynamic. I will grant them that by the time the DLC happened, they had established that Miles had his powers and he was going to be Spider-Man at this point, so we knew we were going to see Peter as a mentor, and there's an argument to be made that you don't want Peter to be balancing too many aspects of his life. Yeah. Especially when he when he already kind of has to take over as a I won't say father figure, but Older brother. A, a Jason figure in the fact that he is a mentor, and like, yeah, the older brother is a good way to put it to Miles. Um since Jefferson dies in the plot of the main game. So I understand that you won't want him to be an actual father and a metaphorical father to Miles as Spider-Man at the same time. But then that begs the question of why would you introduce the potential of this plot line if, you, if, you, if you're just going to shoot Nip in the bud? Exactly. Because I think all it really does is, is is give people the wrong light of like this black cat is a manipulative, deceitful character at her core which you want which if that was the idea you contradict it by by having them talk in the episode about how there was a good stretch of time where they used to actively work together as partners and that she was trying to be a better person exactly black cat is one of those characters that the comics do write quite well but um 
I, I feel like nothing outside of the comics has ever quite scratched the itch, right, for me. Oh, what, the, the 30 seconds of Amazing Spider-Man 2 didn't do it for you? Uh, well, I wish. It's just... I have that I have that feeling about a lot of characters. Like they're really well done within their source material, but no one ever seems to adapt them right. But Black Cat's one of those ones where like she's not a bad person, but at the same time she's not a good person either. Have you been reading uh her recent so- solo series? No, I have not because I have been broke and I have not been reading like that, that, anything. That's, that's fair, but that's been a lot of fun where it's just her and, and, and her crew going on a, on, a, on a bunch of heists and it shows like she's not a bad person. She just likes the cha- the challenge of it and she's good at what she does. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, you got to think with the kind of shit she steals, it's like that's as comfortable living oh, right yeah. there. It's kind of what I enjoy thinking more back to the, like the comparisons between her and Catwoman. It's what I enjoyed about Catwoman's stories. Like after the bat cat wedding fell apart, what is it like when in Rome, I think the arc is called like ignoring the pain that was the bat cat wedding. I love that storyline. Cause it's just Catwoman being rich and famous. I, I, I've read, I've read some of the issues le- leading up to it. And like the one I remember most was where she picked out a dress and that one was uh, I I have notes about Tom King's writing, but then the actual issue with the wedding was it's Tom King. What can you say that people aren't already muttering under their breath? For our listeners who couldn't see, I, I just made the motion of shooting myself in the head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about Tom King. Uh... <laughs> We should, but we none of us have the patience. I don't think we. we I don't think we don't talk about Tom King is going to make the, t- the top ten. Uh, uh, okay, that that joke did not land at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, Black Cat, everybody, one of my favorite characters, honestly. Uh, yeah, me, me too. Uh, up there in like non X Marvel characters, Black Cat is really high up on my list. Higher than Peter is probably. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd agree. With, that I'd probably agree with sounds that. weird, but yeah, like yeah, I I just feel like she gets more depth more often than Peter and does. Kind of like Peter has just been through so much shit the last fifteen years. Yeah, they. Oh God, there have been so many storylines where they throw Peter like to hell and back, and it's like where where exactly can you go from here? That's going to match that. Because we got Craven's last hunt and shed like within a within like a decade of each other, didn't we? And those are two insanely dark and insanely yeah, painful so stories. Every story since is trying to top how much shit can we throw Peter Parker until he has a psychotic break and we somehow have not found it yet. And as much as I don't want to talk about it, I feel like it is relevant if we're talking about Peter and a kind of a father dynamic. I, I I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it. <laughs> no, no, say it. I want to know where you're going with this. You'll know where I'm going with this in a second, and you're going to hate me for it. Mm-hmm. At least it's not since since past. Oh! Yeah, I guess we do need to talk about that, don't we? Because it's actually oddly relevant. <sighs> that yeah. Yeah. 
God, since that's been retconned, I forgot it. I forgot it ever happened. And oh. I, I can't forget. I was ten years old when this ha- happened. I I wasn't reading it, but I was, <laughs> but I, I was hearing about about it, and it's just like, what do you think? What do you think would would have been worse as my first co- comic between what I actually read and what and what I could have read? Would it have been? Is it worth it that my first was actually All Star Batman and Robin number one, or? It could have been the beginning of since past. Whew. Damn. Yeah, I, it's it's amazing. I, I that is a that is a really tough opening. Damn, I'm not even going to say I remember what my first comic is, but I because I probably don't Actually, really. I think the first real comic I had was around the time Batman Begins was co- was coming coming out. Uh, I think New York Times or something was giving away uh, reprints of the first issue of Hush that my that, uh, my my uh, dad brought brought over me and my brother, and so oh, okay. so that technically was was my first comic. Oh, okay, like, yeah, Hush is Hush isn't the worst. I I, I, I really like Hush, although I acknowledge it's, it hasn't aged super gracefully. But like the first comic I actually subscribed to was All Star Batman and Robin. That was a that was a shit show. Uh yeah. If I dig back far enough, I got a lot of like free comics and stuff for, from a bunch of different ways, whether it be like free comic book day or like we would get ones from like the PX on base. Every once in a while, they'd hold an event where one of the publishers would be holding like an appreciation event and they'd put out these really tiny little like 10, 15 issue, like 10, 15 page free issues where it's like, oh, yeah, like one of the characters is interacting with one of the service branches or something. I think the one I remember the best is like there was an Iron Man one where like Fin Fang Foom attacked an aircraft carrier and Iron Man and War Machine had to stop it with the help of the Navy. Which is funny because my dad was in the army. <laughs> so it's like, why why do we have an issue about the Navy? Um. <laughs> and anyway, cir- circling, circling back for, before we go too far off the topic that's already off topic. Yeah, well... That's what this is for. And also just to delay talking about Sin's past. That is also true. Thank you for calling my bluff on this. <laughs> Sin's past is the story of Gwen Stacy's secret children. Yeah, and it's... That she had with Norman Osborn. And it's kind of implied to not entirely have been consensual. Because, like, I never got that. I felt like it was just, like... It very... If you ask me, it very much so feels more like Norman heavily manipulated her into it. Okay, yeah. Like, to where at the end... To where at the end of the day, yes, it was technically consensual, but it was not entirely made on honest pretenses. Uh, Okay, but I don't don't want to get hung up on on that point when... Yeah, let's not get into those semantics. Bad enough. Norman Osborn is already, you know, absolutely terrible. We don't need to add potential rapists yeah, to that so, list. And as opposed to the world we're living in now, where there are about 20 Gwen Stacy's running around, this was in a time in comics where you you did not talk about Gwen Stacy at all. It's funny that you say there are 20 Gwen Stacy's running around when we just got Gwenverse announced. Yeah, yeah and... I'm so looking forward to Gwenverse. It's going to be ridiculous. And, and there's going to be a whole lot, line of variant covers as Gwen is like every superhero in, Mar- in Marvel. That's the plot. Yeah, right, yeah. 
it's a bunch of different timelines where Gwen becomes literally every yeah, hero. Like mid two thousands, Gwen was very much in sacred cow territory. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it was so strange for her to, you know, conceive secret children with Norman Osborn. And not to avoid talking about the actual plot too much because it hurts my brain. The original plan for the story was that these were that Peter was meant to be the father, which would have been less gross. Now, slightly. Because then there still would have been the whole thing of Norman and Gwen. Well, well, well no, that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been a thing if they're if they're, if they're Peter's kids. Well, oh, okay. So like the whole okay, so that whole thing just gets thrown to the yeah. okay. God, that could have been oh that that would have just been a dramatic improvement. Yeah, but still still would have been pretty bad, but yeah, it still would have been a huge jump up above what we got. Fundamentally flawed story because I'm I'm trying to put put this into words that resembles some sort of thesis to where we started. Let me put it this way. If they really had been Peter's kids, you would have had to have Peter deal with the consequences that he had children he didn't know about and he would need to radically alter his life basically totally upend it because there's no way he wouldn't have moved heaven and earth if he knew he had kids especially with Gwen yeah but if things played out somewhat similarly to how they did in the actual story and the kids die. I think that would have finally made Peter snap and he just would have said, screw this. I'm out. Yeah. Um, cause it's something a lot of stories point like, yes, we've seen Peter Parker as a, as a father in several storylines now, but, um, it's something even, even in the timelines where he's not a father, it's something they make a point out of Peter Parker would be an amazing father. Like, like, it's pretty much like one of the only consistent facts about the Marvel Universe is that everybody knows Peter Parker would be an amazing dad. Which MJ directly says at the end of the DLC, he's like, yeah, maybe. I, I, it's my it's my favorite bit of that whole of that whole arc, even with all the problems with it. It's like, yeah, it's still sweet at the end of it for MJ to be like, you'll be a great dad with the right person. Someday. That's that's exactly it with the right person. It's like you might not always had the luxury to choose and that's what i wanted to see mm-hmm. and then you can even get into the kind of dynamic of like who is the right person for p because that's something they're never really going to decide but the ps4 game having so much freedom may get to actually say like yes there is an objectively correct choice for peter would they know because that would that would limit their options but Anyways, let's just make Spider-Man 3 a dating sim. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man 3, developed by Bioware. (laughs) Don't threaten me with a good time. I don't know. I feel like Bioware making a Marvel game could be really interesting. That's what we said when they they had a Sonic game. (laughs) I don't know how to respond to that. Young me enjoyed that game. Looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, that... That was an experience that I will never uh, experience again. But young me was like, this is the th- this is the best. And now I've played Dragon Age and Mass Effect, and I'm like, huh, that's all Bioware could do, huh? Hey, 
if you need dialogue trees, they're the they're the f-ing man for dialogue trees. Okay, random concept that just popped into my head. Kind of, sort of, Dragon Age, but it's a Black Knight game based around when he got sent back in time to his ancestor's body. So the party is like Black Knight, Cersei, and pre-Exodus, Bene du Paris. Bene du Petty, whatever. Can we switch out Cersei for someone more stable, like, I don't know, Apocalypse? <laughs> um, uh, trust me, I don't like Cersei and Black Knight together at all. I hate it. I You've heard me ramble oh, about yeah. this. I have talked at length about how much I despise Cersei and Black Knight. But Cersei is like the only reason that arc happened, so that's just kind of why I staple her onto that. I do I do think it would kind of be funny to let your Black Knight actually have the option of being like, Cersei, why are we even friends? Like, we broke up and you sent me back in time and turned my heart to stone. You're kind of the worst. Yeah, yeah. And then the MCU went, haha, but what if we made them in love? I still have not seen Eternals yet, and... and- I, the only reason, I, <sighs> the only enticement I have to watch it is that David Kay is in it at the end, and that's that's really the the only incentive I have. Valid, very valid. Um, I watched it now that it's on Disney Plus. Only watched it for Black Knight. Was very disappointed in everything except that end credits. I, I, actually, that that's the other reason because uh, Blade is in the second second end credit scene. Yes, exactly. Oh my god. Black Knight and Blade. That's something I could do a ticket booth on. Team-ups I absolutely adore. Black Knight and Blade is up there. We, 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 we can certainly add that to the list. Um, we, we, could, we could do an entire ticket booth about team-ups we, we either really like or want to see. That's something I could talk about at uh, length. Oh, Dan Moore is doing Superman and Batman. I'm just so excited for that. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, that preview. Oh. We're going to have to, like, add links for context in the Discord for, like, half of this. <laughs> We're going to need, like, a works-cited page for the patrons to understand <laughs> half of this. <laughs> did we have a point? Who knows anymore? <laughs> no, I don't think we did. Um, I also have that other team up that I've talked about, but I'm going to save that if we ever actually do that episode. Suffice to say, to, to, uh, to tease you into being mildly interested into this, and I know it's not going to work, it requires another Marvel-DC crossover. Uh, now, now I'm remembering George Perez's cancer and I'm sad. Oh. God, all the best to him. I just... Damn. Yeah. Happens to the best, I suppose. And the fact that we lost Dennis O'Neill not too long ago. A lot of Titans of the Air are... Yeah, I guess it's... Well, this got sad. Yeah, so... To try to bring this back to some kind of... Arc, I guess. Well, this is certainly an arc. (laughs) It's gone through a few loop-de-loops, but... I guess what I'm saying is... I don't need Peter being the father to be a focus, but if you're going to tease that kind of storyline, I really wish they had given some kind of payoff because there's so many possibilities you can do with it. 
Especially with the context of Spider-Man 2 being like Peter and Miles working together. Because Peter has returned from the reason he was gone in Miles Morales. And um, with the two of them working together, it makes a lot of sense that you could really use that to highlight how much their personal lives get in the way of them being a hero. Because like, yeah, Peter having to suddenly like turn around and start being a dad gives him a good reason to not be Spider-Man. And it gives Miles all the time. Uh, after Miles' game, he's established himself more sp- as Spider-Man. Maybe he can pick up some, some of the slack if, he, if Peter's real-life responsibilities come to a Spider-Man, Spider-Man time. Yeah, and, and it kind of proves like, uh, you know, and it could serve as an interesting point of like, yeah, Miles will get to that point eventually too, and he will have to train the Spider-Man that will come after he's him. He's not a sidekick. He, he's his own he, he, hero. He, he just works with Peter. Yeah, they're both Spider-Man, and that's precisely it. They are both Spider-Man. Like, it's not like one is the junior partner. No, they're they're both the hero. And that, that's like the main point of Miles' game, where, Peter, where people refer to him as the other Spider- Spider-Man, and, and he's out to make a name for himself, and eventually his community accepts him. Like, you know what? The other guy does what he does, but you're our Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You're the guy who's there for us. He's that neighborhood's friendly Spider-Man. You're our neighborhood's friendly Spider-Man. There just becomes like a group chat of like a bunch of different spider people around New York servicing different streets. Um. (laughs) Spider-Man the cat is in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But yeah, you know. Peter's personal life interfering with his life as Spider-Man and vice versa is such an important factor. Just give me the the pleasure of both getting to see that again and getting to know that Felicia and Peter, you know, were a more serious couple than a lot of other stories give them credit for. Because that's certainly the the impression it it seems to give. Like, Peter and MJ were were broken up for at least six months, if, if 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 not more, and it seems like they were he and Felicia were together for a good chunk of that. Mm-hmm. This w- and I always read it as longer. Yeah, me too. Because I I know we don't really know, but it's like yeah, given given some of what we hear about their relationship, it kind of feels like it's been longer. The like maybe there have been like evolutions of like well they're not really together, but they're not exactly in their like super broken up state either. <sighs> Peter and relationships get weird. Peter's been Spider-Man for eight years at this point, and it's just the nature of him and MJ that they're always on again, off again. Mm -hmm. Even if he hasn't been romantic. Except this time, it's actually entertaining, unlike Friends. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's my real hot hot take of the episode. (laughs) Um, But even if they haven't been romantically enough, I have to assume that, that he's had some kind of at least working relationship with Felicia for much long, long longer for nearly as nearly as long as his career as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it only makes sense. Even if it does kind of start off in that kind of contested, like, will you stop committing crimes? No, I guess I'll have to stop you then. You know, even if it's just like, that's, I mean, isn't that how the best relationships start? It's not love unless you've tried to kill each other. That's slightly sarcastic. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's comic books for you. Now I'm just thinking about Cry for Blood. Uh, I don't think I read that one. <laughs> That's the question Huntress story oh, I'm right, always right, on about. Yeah, yeah. I d- didn't, didn't recognize the, 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 the name. That's how they meet. Huntress almost runs them over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I now I'm thinking back to it and like, yeah, there are so many comic book relationships where they've tried to kill each other. Yeah. You'd think that trope would be a little more concerning. You know what? Honestly, for a good chunk of it, it means like one or the other grows from being an amoral person to a more moral person. So I guess it's not that bad. I Yeah, I suppose that's fair. I, I mean, you had a rough start, but I mean, as, as long as there's, there's, there's been development, you're not as shitty anymore. <laughs> Except, except you, Cersei. You, you, you're still you're still pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that changed between the beginning of their relationship and the end of their relationship was that she was emotionally stable at the end. And even then, compared to where she began, that's not saying much. <laughs> I think we pretty much run the course of random tangents we have after this, but th- this was this was definitely a lot, lot, lot of fun. And we've spawned like two or three other episodes we off have. of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so pretty successful for a first outing, I, I, I think. Oh, absolutely. Especially knowing that, like, yeah, now your now your thoughts have changed. I was kind of like, okay, where's this going? No, we we definitely took this places. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually. I feel a little better bit better about the story story now than I did when I, when I first played it, but I still feel feel like they kind of chipped us at the end because I think a bit a bit of it. Saddling Felicia with a kid might have been a bit of a disservice to her char- to her character, but I don't know. On one hand, I do I, I believe that like yes, it kind of takes away from the more like freewheeling devil may care parts of her attitude at times. But then at the same time, I do think it also gets to show that ultimately there is more of an emotional center to her it's than true, yeah. Just you know, I am a burglar. I commit crime. I flirt with Spider-Man. Admittedly, that's a good life. Don't get me wrong, that's a good life. But would have been interesting to 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 see another layer on that. Of of her kind of being forced to be Felicia and not Black Cat. Uh, dealing with with that thing we were talking about where I was like, she likes Spider-Man, but like if this had happened, maybe she had to reconsider was there any part of Peter she liked? Yeah. Um, and, you know, honestly, I'm more surprised they haven't tried to give her a kid in the comics. Like they never they never even tease the possibility because she has a, she's had quite a few relationships yeah. in the comics. And I do think that, like, <laughs> even if the kid isn't par- Peter's like that just provides so much of a chance for melodrama. You say that that I'm like, I'm, I'm you're saying that. But the last man she slept with in her solo series was Batrock the Leaper. Oh, God! <laughs> oh, no, I've given them ideas. Oh, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> so, so, so now uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was thinking Daredevil. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no. I was thinking giving them a kid and causing that emotional trauma. <laughs> oh, God. And like, oh, God, because Peter and Matt are such good friends, too. I think this is my supervillain origin. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I use that issue as a reaction image way too often. I didn't even know that's where it was from until my friend that, like I was saying earlier, how she, how she really likes Black Cat and and really believes that they should have given them a kid. Um, <laughs> she was like, "Don't you know that's from when Matt and Felicia kissed for the first time?" And I was like, "Really?" Then she showed me the whole page, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like I knew they were a thing. I didn't know where that's that's where that panel came from. I don't know. Daredevil's been going in a weird direction lately. I kind of love it. Uh, I'm loving Devil's Reign, and and I think I think I think I'm gonna pick pick up uh, Daredevil after after it's done. Because uh, Chip Zarsky's run, run seems like it's been really interesting. The few issues I've read of Zarsky's run have been absolutely phenomenal. And I mean, the man almost never does wrong when he gets a hold of a character like that. But the one story I I didn't super love of his. Ironically, a Spider-Man life story. Really, I, I felt like the, the the latter half of the book leaned too much more into the alternate history instead of actually focusing on Peter's life. Okay, that's fair. And I just tend to hear a lot of praise from that book, so I was kind of like, "Huh, I, it's interesting I that that's the, the one you don't like." First two issues of that are are absolutely brilliant, but it, it just doesn't hold my my interest in the back half. Yeah. And then you've got the other life story comic, Fantastic Four, um, which is just such a bizarre, bizarre ride. <laughs> Never forget Namor telling Sue she can just replace her entire family whenever she wants. Nuclear apocalypse doesn't matter. We'll live underwater. It'll be fine. This is Christ Thomas Vince's actual reviewed a comic book. <laughs> I just... Oh, Namor, you... You completely disconnected bastard, you. <laughs> All right, I think that's that's going to about do it for us. Uh, so I, I haven't decided when I'm going to put this up yet, but next time we are going to be talking about the High Republic, and I'm very excited for that. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, how far are you in? Are, are... Actually started making. Well, I mean, it's been the first week of classes. I've been kind of like moving in lately, so I think I'm like 30 or 40 pages okay, in. I'm, I'm almost done with Fallen Star, so. Yeah. And gratefully, now that things are kind of starting to establish a routine, I'll actually have more time to sit down and read. This first week, my professors just decided to go, ha ha, what if we give you like super complex homework out of nowhere? And I went, really? On the first week? And they went, yeah, but the rest of the course is easy. And I went, uh, okay. I'm going to do what's called the pro gamer move. <laughs> yeah, make the first week hard and everything else easy. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll, see that. we'll see you next time for High Republic. Toodles.